All right, Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast, and not just back again for any episode of the Nolcast. But we're back to uh, actually confirm the final score for a game that uh, I'm not sure that it had even even turned quadruple zeros by the time that we cut out the instant game, uh, the instant reaction post game. Normally, in the uh, case of last Saturday night, kicked it off in the third quarter. So, uh, as always, going to thank our friends at Tarpon Cellars, Louisiana Hot Sauce, and Charlie Park for making the Noel cast possible. Charlie Park rooftopbar.com is the website. Fantastic place Friday evening, Saturday, anytime Saturday, uh, and Sunday, particularly with the brunch that they do. It is Tallahassee's best rooftop bar, and it is uh, Tallahassee's most impressive Sunday brunch as well. So, Charlie Park. Big thank you to uh, our friends there. And, uh, Bud, with that, we'll get into the recap of what was, uh, well, it just gets uh, all the more humiliating, depended upon what rewatch it was. But uh, we'll go back and relive Saturday night here. It, it was uh, it was quite the fun rewatch to do. Uh, if you are a Knowles fan uh, or if you run a Knowles podcast, uh, also I realize we're not live on this. I thought we hit the live button. I just didn't, I didn't link it to the to the account so okay. i don't know if i can actually link this live midway through probably not i guess i don't know we could we could we could try i, I maybe i will try to link this uh actually i, I don't want to mess up. that that's probably not doable uh once you already start hitting record i guess but we'll get this out uh yeah man uh so i thought florida state played well in this ball game that should be obvious with the final score uh, I thought the countdown to see if they could get 200 yards or not would was pretty pretty freaking hilarious. I agree. It was fun. A couple things to take away here. Kevin Steele, their D coordinator today in his press conference, said that Florida State ran counter 32 times, which is just amazing because I don't really – I forgot how many plays that the Knowles ran in the game, but it, it, they didn't run that many. I mean, it was kind of milk the clock, get out of there after about 25 minutes of ball. So, yeah, I mean, they ran, pulling it up here, unless you have it in front of you. Um, here we go. They ran 65 plays. 32 of them were counter. Two of them were kneel down. So over 50% of their non-kneel down plays were uh, were counter, according to defensive coordinator Kevin Steele. I, I don't think that is far off. Now, he may classify some of those some of them are a little more trappy, I guess, but whatever. Like they're they're in that sort of ballpark of counter. And uh, FSU in the preview, we noted they had to find ways to counteract Miami getting upfield, and counter was one of the ways you could do that. And they were you know they ran wham I think a couple times, and it was it was a nice designed run game by the Knowles. I really like some of the stuff that they set up with it, right? Like they ran the same type of action but out of different formations and and they, there seemed to be some real purpose to what they were doing with with some of the formations i like even some of the plays that didn't work man just seemed to make sense right like the the play they hit the pokey you have some counteraction with with some jet motion on on it too which is a little little eye, eye candy in the backfield right um they they go to more of like, like a split look on i think the second or third carry of the game when Miami the first time had been extremely passive and they were kind of catching blocks, the next time they run the play, they change up the look a little bit, thinking that Miami might might come downfield pretty or come downhill pretty aggressive. They're correct. And uh, and they end up 
hitting enough inside on him on that. And then the, the touchdown to Pokey, obviously, I, I think they were counting on Miami, jumping it pretty hard. And the, the backers definitely did. And like I think Jordan had other guys open on that play as well if he did, if he had wanted to. So pretty impressed all, all around, man. Um, you know, like they, they set up – so even um, – and I'll get to there's a hilarious play. There's a couple of really hilarious plays. Like I, I think there's some stuff to talk about here with Miami's defense. I – did not even bother watching FSU's defense on rewatch after I watched the TV. Like I watched the TV copy, just all the plays real quick. And then I went, when I got my, you know, like my, my coach copy, it's like, okay, do I need to watch Miami's offense? I don't think so. Like that is just complete and utter. They don't know what the hell they're doing right now. And they don't have a quarterback and they have like two linemen get hurt in the game on top of the fact they already had a bunch of guys hurt. But the play before the hilarious blitz play, on the second drive, uh, you had a couple cool things happen. One, I thought Trey Benson did a tremendous job to stay inside his track on the counter that he runs, even though this is actually one of the very few plays in the game that Meech gets beat pretty hard. And Benson could have got clipped here, but he doesn't, right? He actually, he's, he's got the patience to stay inside his track, allow the blockers to set up, and it creates that nice 40-yard run. If he had kind of panicked and, and tried to hit that outside too early, he's probably bottled up for like a four or five yard gain. Then they run that sort was it Pokey they handed the ball off to? I forgot who it was. Uh, on the play, they're, they're going into the south end zone there. Uh, this is before the, the pass interference call against Jordan, or against Johnny Wilson on, on, the, on the post corner, right? Uh, it, it's like the, um, like the end around type play they ran. That they got tackled. Even that is set up with counteraction. Like there was a very, there was very much like one thing built upon another. You, you could see a clear thing they were trying to do, uh, and they knew they probably couldn't totally prevent Miami from getting some penetration in the backfield. And I was pretty impressed, man. Like, like so. Then it leads up to the la- the last one, and I put this on our Knowles Twitter account on on, on Knollcast. Uh, I, I think I can import this. Let me see. That's- uh, can I import this live on the show? I think I can actually. Let's take a look. All right. So I don't know if I can walk you guys through this. I can't really use this footage because they they get pretty uh, uh, they get pretty sensitive about about using some of this stuff on uh, on YouTube. So I'm not really trying to get a copyright flag on that. But the still photo, pretty sure I can I can use if I can figure out how to share this. Present, share screen, Chrome tab. Here we go. All right. So take a look at this. This is third and nine going in. Uh, FSU is in empty here. There's a tight end here. I'll, I'll, I don't think you can see my cursor, but on the left side here, 87 runs off, does not get a chip at all on this. Miami has a clear three-on-two. Like, they should have a nice blindside shot on Jordan here. So, Scott engages with with, with the down man. Gibbons is left really with, with a, a no-win situation if Miami runs this decently at all. And instead, get so Scott gets squeezed back a little bit. He's, hold, he's you know, not holding, but he's, he's holding his own against that guy. Miami... Both of their guys run a cross stunt into the same. G- 
gap, which allows Dylan Gibbons to pancake both of them. Pancake both of them. That's what I thought I was like, seeing there. You yeah. don't get a chip. I'm not even. I'm not saying that McDonald was wrong here. I'm not really sure he was required to chip on this play. 53, Murray Smith, the center, is helping to double the, 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 the guy in front of, like, does not fan to the left. Again, I don't know what FSU's protection call was, so I'm not saying that they were in the wrong here. What I am saying is how FSU blocked this should not have produced this result, but the fact that Miami botched this as bad as they did is hilarious. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was uh, – I thought I, that, that one I just had to share. It was quite fun. Uh, to, to go back and watch these. Oh, is... and because they uh, because the DBEs are expecting the ball to come out somewhat quick because they have a mm-hmm. an overload on the one side, they're not expecting Johnny Wilson to be able to pull off a double move. So when he does, because the ball's not out yet, the DB just has to grab the hell out of him and they get the PI flag. This is the play Jordan threw the pick on that was overturned. Right. Yeah. So what I will say is that uh, rewatching this is. 100% enjoyable. It is at time somewhat of a challenge to attribute like, hey, was Florida State just great or was Miami just absolutely friggin' horrible on Saturday? Because there, there is some stuff here that is uh, bonkers crazy. And there's also, and I'm not saying this is some kind of unique ability because I imagine that this was held by many. Uh, I mean, I think I called Bud 39 minutes into the game, 39 like real-time minutes into the game saying – Hey, this is about to be a blowout. We need to plan on like doing something live tonight. This is going to be unlike anything that we've done since two years ago when you pissed everybody off and went live during the Miami game. Um, and oddly enough, it'll be the same margin of victory. But uh, Miami looked like they gave effort for about a possession and a half, and that's not really hyperbole. I mean, it was it was wild to watch, and wild to watch how quickly Miami decided to just uh, run up a. But a small little white flag there on Saturday night. It uh, it does make me wonder, like offensively, they have been a mess for a lot of the year for various reasons. It's a new scheme. I don't know how well some of the existing guys fit the scheme. I don't know how well they're coaching their scheme. They have had a ton of injuries on the offensive side. Like if we had these in, in Tallahassee, I would be covering these in that way. Like they're kind of hopeless. And we've had shows where I'm like, guys, there ain't much FSU can do here. They just <laughs> the, the dudes they have playing are not it. That's there's some of that going on with, with, with the Canes right now on offense. Defensively, though, I will say I don't think this is a talent issue for the most part. Like, I wonder if they didn't put in extra stuff for this game and didn't teach it well and didn't have it ready because mm-hmm. Miami has made some mistakes this year on defense, but they've also played really well at times. I mean, they played what three overtimes and allowed 12 points to Virginia, and Virginia's offense is bad, but I mean, still, it. That's a hell of a defensive effort. Back before Texas A&M's offense was completely terrible this year, they played really well on the road in College Station. They held North Carolina to under forty, which yeah, that's that's is, their most impressive performance of the year. Yeah, uh, like that's really pretty damn good. So I was surprised to see Miami's defense play with this lack of discipline. And you nail it, man. They quit. Like, we can use the Q word here. They quit after about it's – the, it's the series that Benson scores to go it's up 21-3. It's the series to go up 21-3. You can see it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Wild, wild and incredible and fun. And, you know, we'll have to try to extrapolate what it means uh, in the longer term. And we'll certainly get into some recruiting tonight, as I know that's what uh, many of you have an interest in hearing us touch on. We will thank our friends at Chad uh, at Legendary Home Loans, and we'll thank Chad and Shannon sent out a a round of T-shirts and saw another two home loans go final. So I think that's up to uh, $1,500 for them and Rising Spear. So congratulations that uh, and the great work that our friends have done. Uh, 844-FSU-LOAN is the phone number. Chad is uh, the man who has a passion for Florida State Athletics like myself and many of our listeners do. And Shannon is uh, the guy who you want to take you through that entire process. So uh, big thanks to them. And with that, we'll uh, turn our attention back to the massacre that was Saturday night. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, a couple of things. It was awesome to see the war chant just fill that stadium, right? Uh, other things here that I feel like we need to talk about, I, and I do not want this to come across as negative because this is a positive show, um, or at least a positive episode. I'm not sure what to take away from this. Just like you, I, I'm like, okay. Now, offensively, I like that they did a couple things well. They were not real sloppy offensively. They were pretty crisp. So that was encouraging. And and yes, Miami made a lot of this happen as far as just what would have happened if Miami makes regular tackles in the secondary and doesn't just stay on every block like Velcro. Who knows? Maybe you falter some more down in the red zone. Uh, But ultimately, I thought FSU looked good offensively. But... I don't think you'll see another defense play that poorly this whole year. Although Florida in the first half against AM did give them a run for their money, but they didn't quit. They just there's a difference. Like I think Miami's defensive talent is a lot better than what Florida has. Mm-hmm. I don't think Florida has quit, although they definitely don't play great team defense all the time. So that's one thing. Now, defensively for FSU, I think you take away zero from this game. I just don't know. That's the worst offense that you faced all year. It's it's worse than what Georgia Tech ran out there with the back with the back of quarterback. Yeah, Georgia Tech's actually favored over them this weekend. By the way, did you see that? Right, did they open as a favorite? Yeah, wow. three, three. So, well, I guess they actually opened one, and that didn't last very long. And so it jumped three. three. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, like, the it it kept ping ponging around. So the guys who bet only based on the power ratings are going to take Miami because the power ratings are not going to adjust quite enough for some of the injury stuff and some of the fact, like, I think Miami players are just quitting. Um, but, like, Georgia Tech just beat Vatek on the road, and Vatek's terrible this year, but it's at least a road win, and they seem to be okay. And Miami may beat them. Who knows? Like, maybe they'll play hard. Kind of doubt it, given their history of what they do after playing the Knolls, but they certainly could, I guess. I'm just... You had you had a nice pick, right? Playing zone, which was encouraging to see. I also don't know what Garcia is really looking. He doesn't seem to know what he's doing. They don't have him coached up and comfortable right now. It's weird that like he seems to be better coming on in relief than he does just starting games. Mm-hmm. So that's uh it's kind of curious. Jakari Brown is not somebody who's ready to play college football at this level. Just yeah, and he may end up being okay. He he played pretty damn good in high school. It's just reading defenses, getting rid of the ball. Like you can tell, they kind of use him as more of like a 
a glorified wildcat package at this point, which is still better than what they do when Garcia is in there. Um, offensive line-wise, they just are, are really limited right now with who they have in there. I don't think they wanted to play that freshman, but when Rivers went down, you kind of had to. So I just – I mean, man, I don't think it's crazy to say at all that FSU's – maybe not their scout team, but – like FSU second string offense probably gives you better looks in practice than what Miami's doing right now. You know? Yeah, I mean, man. That was... I, mean, I don't think you can say it strong enough. I mean, it's, it's one of the worst offenses that I've seen Florida State face. And uh, yeah, I don't want to only... disrespect the effort. Like, that's the thing. Is like, we're not knocking the effort. They, you went yeah. and took care of business. You could have been even like bigger. I see, yeah, to. I see what you're saying. No, I mean, I mean, I think we'll all enjoy the result and we'll all enjoy watching it and seeing it play out. Uh, no, I, I don't think you're knocking Florida State's effort. Um, you just realized that that was, a, that was an incredibly horrible unit and it only got worse as the game went on with some of the injuries they sustained. So, um, yeah. I'm interested to see what this does to Miami on the recruiting trail. Yeah, this is interesting, bud. I think, um, you know, obviously recruiting's changed, and uh, it's hilarious to watch you lose to Duke and four days later pick up a commitment from a top-five kid nationally. I mean, that's just different. Um, so there's two different things here, and, and I think one is the more prominent and, like, tangential. Uh, one is that it gets more expensive. The, the worse you are, yeah, I think you have to point. pay more. Uh, you've you've got to overcome. You have to op- overcompensate. Um, where I think we're kind of grabbing for things a little bit and trying to figure out how this is going to project. Is if you talk to people, um, I think that nil. I don't think it's going to turn into some you know thing that completely rots or ruins college football. But I do think that in locker rooms where you have particular extremes, uh, that it will be interesting to see how that works. And when you have to continue to overpay to keep a hold of kids, I think it only creates more significant extremes. So uh, the two are, are not totally unrelated. The first one I think is, is the much more thing that you can be sure of and you're going to see immediately. And then some of the longer term challenges that come with an IL, I think are maybe uh, exacerbated by what Miami is going to have to do in the here and now uh, to keep that class together. Or if they have, you know, aspirations to continue to add to it. I, I totally agree. So I, I was talking to a guy on, on Sunday. He called me out. I was out in the backyard cleaning my, my, my grill and, uh, you know, just put him on the Bluetooth and we were talking about NIL and different things. And he's like, you know, it, it probably won't dissuade the billionaire from helping out since he's like a personal friend of the head coach. But, I can't imagine like Miami's collective efforts have a whole lot of juice behind them right now after people have seen this, co- like the, the job they're doing coaching. Now, they may not need that. Granted, if you have a billionaire, right, it, it, it is a different ballgame. It's sort of like, okay, you have one owner in baseball who's just going to spend, spend, spend. It is a little different. But will these guys expect returns on investment? I think so. They also expect returns on investment when they buy these expensive coaches and then they buy those dudes out. They don't and they don't stop buying new coaches. So I don't think they're going to stop, you know, getting players via NIL really anywhere. 
But I think you may, you raise a good point. It will become more expensive. For instance, do you remember, this is probably going to date us a little bit, and I think that's okay. Uh, do you remember a pitcher named Mike Hampton? Yep, absolutely. He started with, uh, who did he start with? Oh, I mean, Hampton played for everybody. Astros? Played for Astros, Rockies, Braves. Uh, but the Rockies is where I want to go with this. Okay. Right? So, Mike Hampton, classically, I was he, did he start with the Braves or did he go to the Braves second? No, he, was, he joined the Braves as a free agent, okay. if I remember correctly. Yeah, so he was, uh, yeah, he, he was Astros first. I was right about this. Okay. And then he got traded, I think, to the Mets at the end of the one year, and then he signed the free agent. And he cited the school system in Denver for the reason he wanted to go there. And Mike Hampton was a Cy Young winner, guys, like really, really good. And he threw a sinker, which is one of the worst pitches you could possibly throw in Colorado. And I'm going somewhere for this, promise. Like, don't turn the show off because we're talking a little, little 90s baseball for agent signing. But it just popped in my head a couple minutes ago. So Mike Hampton cites the school system in Colorado as if a guy signing a $200 million contract can't just send his kids to a good private school in whatever city he likes to play in. Like the reason he went to Colorado was the money, even though it was a terrible fit for his like on-field success. Mm -hmm. But Colorado had to overpay like crazy to get him because nobody in those days, that was pre-humidor. So like you would hit 500 foot home runs, not every game, but it like you would have football scores in baseball games. It was 14, 10 type stuff, pretty regular out there in mile high due to the elevation and the effect it had on the ball. I think there is a risk of some of that where you have to overpay a lot if you look like a total blank show on the field. You'll still get kids if you can outbid everybody, but you may have to start outbidding by you know 10%, 20%, 30%, which, hell, maybe they did that last week, right? Mm -hmm. Probably right. so. Right. That's just what kind of people around the sport seem to think. Is that sustainable for that long? Who knows? And look, maybe Mario will make some changes on his staff. I, I think he probably will because you don't need as many good recruiters on your staff the more NIL backing you have behind you. Some coaching might be good to mix in some. You, like when you're hiring in the NFL, you don't usually see the head coach be like, hmm, well, you might be a good receivers coach for us. How is your ability to attract talent? No, it's... We buy the talent, or the GM does. We coach it up. I don't know. Like I'm not going to sit here and predict doom and gloom for these guys because, again, if you have that much money backing it, I think, and Mario's a hell of a recruiter, and I think they do evaluate pretty well, they're probably going to have a fairly stacked roster at some point, as long as they're willing to keep paying for it. Yep. If it's year one. Fan, if, if there's a yeah, year you right. can absorb a year like this, it's it's year one. So. Could you draw up a worse way that your one could have gone though? If you were like, if you're an FSU fan and you hate Miami, right? You're one of these diehard message boarders. You're you're in Twitter wars with, with, with these dudes. Is there a way that this could have gone any worse for them? Honestly, on the field, I, I kind of have a hard time seeing it. No, no, man. And, and now mean, with the quarterback, like if you're Van Dyke's parents, yeah. I don't, wonder know, I don't know the, the medicals. I, I shouldn't say it. I, yeah, I don't know the sure. medicals. Yeah, there's a legitimate question there. I mean, that, that's not uh, unresponsible or irresponsible to ask a question about that. And, 
No, there's no other way. I mean, you you want to get Bethune if you're looking from the Miami perspective. Lose to Middle, lose to A&M in a manner that I guess was moderately respectable at the time and has since lost all elements of respect. Now, I don't, I don't know that you could have a worse outcome. I mean, the, the worst outcome for them, the field has taken place. At this point, it's if McLean or one of these offensive tackles flips, uh, you know, 24 hours before signing day or day or of quarterback. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, we are seeing some quarterbacks kind of like it's being floated out. There's some guys are opening some stuff up, right? Dante Moore. Pretty well known. Michigan state's making a run at him from Oregon. Mm-hmm. Well, he's from, he's from Detroit, but he, right. he committed to Oregon over the summer. So who knows, right? Maybe some of these quarterback desperate programs make another run at Miami's California quarterback. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of a good example of, of if NIL's involved, like, do you have to overpay? Because are you signing up to play in that offense right now? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, is Garcia going to hit the – like, are, are both those guys going to stay around portal-wise? Who knows? Um, all right, so – that was something I thought was interesting. Do we want to discuss some of these future opponents and how they played this weekend? I feel like this has been a segment we've done more regularly this year, and people seem to like it. It's only yeah. three games now. Yeah, we do. I was going to say we have narrowed the uh, the window of that of which we'll talk about. Absolutely. All right. So I have had a chance to watch most of these. I did not watch the second half of A and M Florida because I watched it live. So. All right, Cuse lost 19-9 to Pitt this weekend. Uh, FSU goes to Cuse on Saturday. They'll play a night game. That's not an easy place to play. Weird things do seem to happen in the Dome. You can ask Clemson, even when they were running national titles, what kind of house of horrors that for some reason is. But uh, we don't know if Garrett Schrader will play, the quarterback. The backup, uh, Carlos Del Rio Wilson, was pretty bad. Uh, He was 8 of 23 for 120 yards. Mm -hmm. And uh, he took six sacks. Syracuse also doesn't have uh, Garrett Wilson, who is their top corner, one of the best corners in the ACC. He's done. And if you pull up some of these PFF grades for these guys, which I've been doing this almost every week for Syracuse, and I'm telling you guys, and I've said this on Cover 3 for a while, and I said on the old 24-7 message board, I, I do think clearly I was wrong to bet Syracuse under five and a half wins because they started out six and zero, right? Like that, that's a pretty clear indication that I was wrong for those of y'all who think I don't say that I'm wrong. There you go. However, here's the, but I think the logic that I was using to do so is now starting to show. Like I thought Syracuse had major cracks depth wise. I'm looking at my notes in preseason on both lines of scrimmage. And I needed like, they needed to stay very healthy. Uh, all year. I'm not sure that they're super healthy up front on the offensive line. Okay. One of their tackles, or excuse me, one of their offensive linemen had, had a PFF grade of 40. They had a guy with, with a 47 as well. Now, Pitt's defensive front is awesome. It's probably the second best defensive front in the league. That's that's tough to block. But FSU is looking pretty good right now. So FSU has a chance to give, give Q some problems with its D-line. On the other side, man, Pitt's offense is kind of a disaster. And I'm just not sure that Cuse's defense 
isn't facing some attrition problems right now. So they their PFF grades actually aren't that bad here, and they held Cuse to 4.7 yards per play. But, I mean, Cuse just Cuse ran the ball 48 times for 160 – or excuse me, Pitt ran the ball 48 times for 161 yards, which is kind of nuts, right? Like, please throw the ball a little bit, Pitt. Like, I, it's crazy to me that Narduzzi would prefer to lose games playing the quote-unquote right way as opposed to just winning games by the more efficient route, which is throwing the football. Anyway, Slobus was 16 of 23 for 178, which is much better than 120. Uh, their backup, uh, uh, Apiconda, the, the stud running back, didn't play for Pitt this game. No reason was given. Uh, Hammond, their backup, went 28 for 124, which is not great. It's fine. I just think Cuse, with their D-line, does have some depth problems. And if I'm the Knowles, I tempo this thing. I, I, I think you want to get into that Q's depth if you can and play fast and play a lot of snaps and see see what happens, see, see if you can exploit those backups. Uh, because the, the backup grades, when they have to get in there, have generally been pretty bad this year. Now, Q's is still pretty damn like, – they're weird up front. They, ru- they run the NC State defense. They're very quick. I, I do think their nose guard, you know, is probably going to be problematic and probably frustrate some folks. You, but you can run the ball on them. Three straight teams have run the ball pretty well. And FSU has run for four for 200 yards, four straight games. I think that bodes well. I don't think it's a game you need, you have to drop back Jordan without play action 30 times, right? It's probably, you know, 10 dropbacks without play action, a couple uh, you know, good number of play action shots, a couple screens, running the football, you know, a couple Jordan runs, and you feel pretty good. I I think. I mean, you're only a seven-point favorite. That's not a guarantee. Again, kind of wish Miami gave you a little more fight so you could see how you responded to the fight in a big rivalry game because I don't know exactly what to take from what we, do, what we just saw. Right. But I do know that Cuse has not been playing well lately. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what to think of this. I mean, it's hard not to go down there, win in the manner that you do, and have some kind of emotional hangover. It's also hard as a athlete particularly as a college athlete to appreciate that you just kind of beat the hell out of a wet paper bag uh and uh, again we're not diminishing florida state's effort i'm not trying to take away from that but i don't think anybody else is just going to completely cave to you for the rest of the year uh in the manner that miami did and sometimes you can think that okay that's how that's the level that's what it's going to take to be successful moving forward blah 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 uh, it will be fascinating to see how they respond to eight o'clock at night uh, this Saturday. Yeah. Oh, uh, Cuse also was with. I don't know if you if you're you're not a Dolphins fan, are you? You're you're a you're a Falcons fan. I'm not a not a Falcons fan. Not a, not much of an NFL watcher at all, actually. But yeah. Um. So, a Rodney Gatson was a dude who was very good for the Dolphins. His son is Cuse's best remaining healthy receiver, mm-hmm. or I should say, was. Uh, because he did not play in this game, or at least he went out before he made a catch. I didn't see him play it. So there is some chance that Cuse is without both of their top receivers in this game. And I don't I don't know what's going on there, but that's uh yeah. So Sean Tucker, by the way, only had 10, 10 rushes and, and two, you know, catches. He's their best. 
player so on the team. Two games in a low, two games in a row of a very light workload for him. So something yeah. something's going on there. It's, I think uh, he got hurt against the FCS team. I, yeah. I had a I had a guy, you know, DFS Daily Fantasy. Yep. Basically, I had a guy tell me that that the DFS dudes think he was actually hurt at the end of the FCS game, and they're annoyed that Babers was still running him late in that game. Mm-hmm. And they don't okay. think he's like they don't think he looked the same against Clemson. Yeah. Uh, now, makes sense. I mean, that's I didn't too- watch the FCS game, so I don't know if that's true. But um, this is this is uh, only a joke I'll make after beating Miami as badly as they did, but uh, or not a joke, but just derail the whole podcast. If you're watching on video, you might have some concept of what I'm talking about. Uh, but do you remember way back in the day they're interviewing Dabo Sweeney? It's like a signing day or something like that. And they're interviewing him. And this is way back before Clemson pumped, you know, hundreds of million dollars in the facility. And they've got like a stuffed tiger sitting over his shoulder or whatever. And halfway in the middle of the interview, Dabo just keeps turning around like to look <laughs> yeah. and see if oh, the, yeah. the tiger's real or whatever. All right. So there was something appearing in my screen that made it look like there was an object over my shoulder. And I kept looking back, trying to figure out what it was. And it was just this microphone stand in front of it. So I just had the last five minutes, I kept looking over my shoulder trying to figure out what piece of furniture was in the room that was showing up on the screen, (laughs) but wasn't when I was looking over my shoulder. So I had my own Dabo Sweeney moment there. Uh, Forgive me, bud. And podcast of the year, folks. Yes, absolutely. We do it better than anybody does when Ingram gets distracted by furniture over his shoulder. Um, Oh um, yeah. So I don't, uh, apparently Gatson played in this game and played People are talking about him getting overthrown. So maybe I just didn't notice him catching the well, obviously of course I didn't. He played 53 snaps. Hmm. So Pitt held him to nothing. I guess that's uh that's kind of amazing. Yeah, okay. The I, I didn't realize that was him. Yeah, yeah. Not not a good game. Five yeah. targets, no catches. Okay, wow. So, um, like that's problematic, obviously. But they do still run a good offense. I think if they're if they have some of their guys, that there's a reason that they they stole Virginia's staff and Virginia's offense has gone totally to hell. And Cuse, if healthy, could be dangerous. If they don't have their guys, I don't think Cuse has the depth to hang with you, personally. And if you go up there and you handle your business, as Sinone said in that column this week, uh, I think there's a pretty good, pretty good chance you come out with, with a dub, and you get home with a chance, you know, to get to nine and three. So there's one. Uh, another game I watched quite intently because I do have a nice future out on Troy. And if Troy lost this game to Louisiana, I was going to be pretty ticked, to be honest. And they got down, uh, they got down seventeen nothing. With 14 minutes left in the ballgame and came back to win 23 to 17. Here's the deal. They can run the ball some on you. They really only have one guy they throw the football to, Michael Jefferson. He's like a, a dude. We, we've played him on prize picks this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Troy let him catch a couple balls in the first couple minutes of the game, and then they largely shut him down. They did run the ball some on Troy, but the quarterback. Woolridge, who I think is actually the better quarterback, and I can't believe I'm such a loser. I have opinions on which quarterback is better for Louisiana. 
But when you're betting these Thursday night games, you kind of got to know about this stuff. I think he's the better of the two. And he went 13 of 29 for 112. 13 of 29 for 112. Now, I will say, Troy has a better defense than FSU does this year. It's a kind of a rare thing, but like, okay, well, no, I probably shouldn't say that. Back that up. They're similar quality defenses. They they arrive in different ways. I don't know that Troy would be able to do this if they had to play like week in, week out against the ACC schedule because I think the depth and the attrition would get them. But if you watch Troy play, they're extremely well coached. They have a lot of guys who are going to be like NFL practice squad type players who don't have the measurables but are very veteran. Uh, like they're really, really good defense. And they held Louisiana 315 yards in Louisiana. The Knowles can screw around and still win this game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they can screw around and make it look like, like and win by 40, but FSU can play their C or D game as long as their D game does not include a ton of turnovers and still win comfortably, which is really what you're looking for. And to and to you know to get some younger players in the game as long as you don't you know burn their red shirt. If you're a business owner and you find that your business is languishing too frequently and it's B, C, or perhaps D game, there's no better people that we could have you call than Matt Lewis and his team at Congruity. Congruity is a team that we've been fortunate to partner with for a couple years, a team that's only made our small, humble team uh, all the better. And Matt Lewis uh, and his team uh, is somebody that we certainly think is worth you spending 10 minutes with and exploring whether or not they can help you, whether it be payroll human resources or whatever else it may be where they can help serve as a catalyst for your business's optimization. So congruityhr.com is the website. And as always, if you want to reach out to me, more than happy to put you in touch with uh, Matt via third-party introduction. And thank you, as always, to the team at Congruity. All right, final game on the Knowles schedule before they go play in a bowl game. Feels nice to say, huh? Baby steps, but uh, but but fun ones. Florida beat A and M forty-one to twenty-four. This is uh, a game that requires some context. A and M is, I think, an absolute cultural disaster internally. Where have we seen that before? I'll get there in a minute. They had the flu all week and had a lot of guys, including their starting quarterback, not play. So that does matter. And even some of the guys who did play, I think were dudes who were struggling, throwing up, that, that that type of stuff. They have been really bad recently on defense. See, also, we discussed how Lane Kivett ran for 400 on them with Ole Miss at night in College Station. They have some real problems. Fadil Diggs, AM's top D lineman, is out for the year now and missed the game. So they have some problems. So I wanted to couch that before I said that Florida looked great on offense. I mean, legitimately, they had 492 yards on 78 plays. And part of that was like they just ran the ball a lot on that final series uh, to end it. 291 rushing yards on 50 carries. And uh, Richardson was 17 of 28 for 201 and two touchdowns. They took care of the football, did not turn it over. Just like I said, it's hard for us to take a lot away from this Miami game. Kind of the same thing applies here with Florida's offense. Uh, Oh, also, UF didn't have their top safety. And then their top corner got ejected for targeting on, on the first drive. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there was that. I was like, okay, um, I'm going to need to bet some live over here, probably. Look, Florida has a good offensive line. They have managed to block 
most everybody this year. Richardson, when they when he knows where to go with the ball, which is not frequent, does a nice job for them. And he is a very good runner, like one of the absolute best freak show of an athlete type runners out there. He's just that big and he's got some wheels to him. And they have a good back in Johnson. Etienne makes some nice, nice, you know, nice runs. Receiving court, they're really nothing special. Like you will have played a good number of teams that have better receivers than them. So there is that. You're going to need to score points to beat Florida. They like I do think they will score some points. And like their variance is so freaking high, man. Cause like some games Richardson plays like he's never played the sport before. Mm-hmm. And some games he plays like he's Cam, like he's Cam Newton. Not often, but occasionally. Like it's there a couple times a year. You need to go into that game thinking that you need 35 or 40. And you can probably get it. Florida's defense is bad. I mean, I know they only have 24 in this game. They have some real problems. I don't think they're getting better. I think they're getting worse. Hmm. Okay. So that's kind of my end of the season report on future opponents. An enjoyable thing that we've done periodically uh, throughout this year and good to uh, good to be able to lean on it one more time. Uh, Bud, why don't we... Oh, should we discuss Texas A&M? Go yeah, back in the portal like yes, five years ago? Absolutely. Do go back. Take us back into what we were just randomly doing uh, five years ago on this day. Yeah, so we had gotten a call uh, about a month earlier about... Uh, where's this at? Um, looking for the article here. Where's where's the tweet? All right. So, uh, back when I was at SB Nation, the Texas A&M site we had was called Good Bull Hunting. They they say like Good Bull at a and I don't know. It's one of these traditions. They have a lot of them. I, I'm not going to pretend to understand what it means, but it, it, I was told it was not vulgar when uh, when the name got approved. So, whatever. And they asked me about. Uh, like, what do you think Jimbo Fisher, like, is that, is AM pursuing Jimbo, all this other kind of stuff? And uh, basically, I'm not even sure that I'm familiar with exactly what's going on inside AM's program, but all of their message boards are lighting up, claiming that apparently I was like a savant to predict this. And I was like, this is not a prediction. I was just giving you guys the rundown of what was happening in Tallahassee over the last couple of years. It's not like I actually thought Jimbo could have success at AM because of just, how much stuff, which was beyond his control in his own personal life, was just tragic. And so, like a change of scenery could actually help you. Right. Now, I thought it was unfortunate that he was blaming a lot of the stuff publicly on, on, on FSU, which I mean, gave him pretty much whatever he wanted most of the time and gave him a you know, top 10 coaching salary pool, et cetera. Uh, let's see. Uh, would Jimbo leave FSU for AM? If so, why? I don't know. FSU's given him basically everything he wants, and he gets to face an ACC schedule with SC resources. But it's so hard to stay at a place for more than a decade, and he's been in Tallahassee since 07 as the OC and since 10 as the head coach. Uh, some coaches are tremendous as change agents, but their style grates on people that eventually people within the program resent the coach, tune him out, or both. Fisher's an incredible change agent, uh, but it's yet to be seen if he can be a maintainer. If he believes that he is better as a change agent, then starting over somewhere else makes sense. I do think he'd immediately jumpstart a program if he were to jump jobs. I can't rule out Fisher getting things turned around at FSU because it is so easy to win in Tallahassee, relatively speaking. But there are tons of examples of guys getting recharged with the change of scenery and very few of coaches getting the magic back once it's gone at their current program. 
Uh, then he asked about the buyout. I said, yeah, he owes FSU like seven. If uh, if he leaves, 40 if he's fired. Nice job, Jimmy Sexton. Uh, what's the vibe around Jimbo right now? Is he thought of positively? I said, it's mixed. The majority of the fan base, from what I can tell, are content to blame a lot of the assistant coaches for this year's failures as opposed to the headman. What happened this year? Referring to the three and five record. Uh, Fisher, and then I linked the article that I talked about, uh, you know, how he just kept holding on to those coaches. Uh, so, you know, he held on these guys over the last couple of years, either not realizing or not acknowledging changes were necessary, refused to make changes, uh, stale staff and started to like impact and piss off the, uh, the, the better coaches on the staff. And the whole thing's kind of a mess right now. It's avoidable. Uh, under This is the most underachieving defense college football relative to the talent level. Offensively, FSU's down to a true freshman quarterback who didn't enroll early. A true freshman running back. Most of his good wideouts have missed a lot of time. Two of its better offensive linemen. And the offense is worse than the defense, but the defense is, is more disappointing. Add in a brutal schedule this year and a hurricane and a staff that is largely checked out. And uh, for Jimbo to stay, what does next year look like for you? It all depends on the coaching changes. The offense should be better due to experience, but the defense loses the majority of its starts. Clemson and UF come to Tallahassee. Well, FSU must travel to South Bend, Raleigh, and Miami Gardens. The last two years were a tremendous waste of defensive talent. 2016 was somewhat hard to prevent, but 2017 disaster was quite preventable from a coaching standpoint. How do you think Jimbo would fare in the SEC West? So probably extremely well, at least initially. He's an incredible recruiter and would have a new staff. I doubt he'd take anyone from his FSU staff, which speak to how bad he's allowed things to get in Tallahassee, which, by the way, I was correct on that. He Remember, he wouldn't fire these guys, but he literally took a zero with him. Took uh, a couple uh, support I, staff behind the scene, but yeah, no, yeah. no actual coaches. Uh, and I've seen how people react to his message when he takes over a program. Someone is what, 24 and 22 in SEC play? I think Fisher could maybe go like 30 and 18 or something in a six-year run. Oops, very wrong there uh, on that, by the way. He's actually worse than Sumlin. And if you take out the COVID year, like mm-hmm. extremely worse, like non-competitive. Uh, what do you think A&M's uh, staff would look like? The defensive coordinator would be a DB coach by trade because Fisher believes in calling defense front to back, or back to front, rather. Uh, the offense will have two ace recruiters. And they want someone who can teach receivers well because the system demands a ton from them. Uh, oops, did not did not do that. Uh, the ace recruiters, yes. The receiver coaching, no. Uh, anyway, Fisher seems to put a premium on coaches who have coached uh, uh, for or have some connection to Nick Saban, which can be good and bad. Anyway, and then I correctly predict they would target, target Willie Taggart. So, look. Do we feel vindicated for saying for about two years that like things weren't normal? A little bit. Did I know it was going to happen like this at, in, in College Station? If you're reading that article, no, I didn't. I don't think it's a prediction. I thought he could do really well there if he got right mentally. Mm-hmm. Not like mental health. It's like like mental headspace. You know, re- recharged in, in, in a new scene. I, I don't want that to come off the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, uh, mental health too. But uh, you know, things that people can can deal with accordingly on their own time and uh podcast people don't have to speculate on but yeah man it's crazy i mean all the resources in the world and it is uh i mean obviously i realize that having a, having a team that catches the flu is just not going to necessarily help how you look on saturday but it's embarrassing it is it is wildly embarrassing and it's almost like the uh, the worst of Jimbo is somehow made uh, worse by having all the resources in the world and uh, being able to put a class together like that. And the culture has hit bottom uh, before you ever got to the top of the mountain part. And if you're an A&M fan, 
uh, I would be drastically concerned that you're 2016, 2017 Florida State, and you never got to experience 12, 13, or 14. So uh, we'll see if it gets turned around. No doubt about it. Uh, what else do we have tonight? Anything? Let's look back on our prize picks real quickly. Uh, we referenced Yeah, this is earlier. another reason why I'm pissed off at Miami for, for not, not showing up and giving a quality game. <laughs> I, I think we had the right read on this thing, man. As far as like, like how FSU would, would, would try to attack this. Yeah. Shame. So just we'll review it real quickly. Uh, of all the Florida State numbers for the weekend, uh, Jordan's pass completions were at 23 and a half. Jordan's yards were 260.5. Fantasy was 20.5. Um, uh, Johnny Wilson was 3.5 receptions. Wilson of the Johnny type was 60.5 receiving yards, 11.5 fantasy. Pittman was 40.5 receiving and Ontario Wilson was 44.5 receiving yards. This has nothing to do with prize picks, but it is what I have written underneath it. Miami enters the game as 90 points worse than the consensus spread, which is worse in the country. And the spread, what it, what was it, eight when it finally kicked off? Seven and a half or whatever? And, uh, no, uh, no, it, it got bet down to six and a half. Because, six and a half. Because Van Dyke, okay. uh, Van Dyke was ruled in. So 6.5 minus 42. So you just slapped on uh, another, what, negative 36.5 onto that number or whatever. So Miami's now uh, 120, 122 points worse yes. than the spread throughout the course they of the season. They are 16 points worse than the spread per game this year. <laughs> I will say... I have done extremely well betting Miami games this year. Like, I think my record of predicting like the game within the spread on the Knolls is really good this year, right? We we had FSU against LSU. We had Wake. We had FSU over Louisville, even though we were pretty damn lucky in that one um, to get that with, with Rodemaker. We took NC State and lost, right? Because mm -hmm. of the, yeah, FSU covered that. I took Clemson, and then uh, did we take did we take Georgia Tech or we take FSU? As far as against spread, that one I forgot. And then obviously we we, we had FSU covering this, although be it small, so I, hard to take a real victory lap on that one when we thought it'd be closer than than that. Um, although show me somebody who predicted a forty-two point blowout, and I'd be a little surprised. I'd like to meet him. Miami though. Um, Miami's been really predictable in some ways this year. Bet against them at home when it's not a big, not a big game because Vegas does not account for the fact that they have no home field advantage. It's not a real home field. They don't have good fans. They don't really seem to give a damn at all. Like, I mean, they play in front of ten thousand people. Some of the people there are probably just thinking like they, they got the wrong day for the Dolphins game. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's there's no home field advantage. They ride in a bus for an hour to get to their their stadium. Uh, on the road, kind of seems like they're okay, somewhat. Um, yeah, man, I'm uh, mm, shameful. Uh, Brad Power said that uh, this is historically bad against the spread season. Mm. Uh, so, and, and he's a uh, he's a pro better out there in Vegas, Brad. If you're watching on the off chance you're watching this, yes, I actually uh, like I, I I got lunch with Brad when I was out there this uh, this summer. We were entering the Golden Nugget Contest together, and I actually pulled ahead of Brad. I am now number one in the nation in the Golden Nugget Contest, dude. I nice. cannot believe, like, yeah, I'm uh, Maggie's already spending the money. 
which is which is not not what we need to do, right? Um, good look, babe. This is a this is college and NFL, so we're gonna have to be doing this like in January too. Uh, <laughs> almost certainly, will not win against a, a pretty shark infested pool, but yeah, as I looked I looked at the at the card this, this weekend, I was like, dude, seven yeah. zero. Well done, sir. This is uh, exciting. So, yeah, Miami man gets the spread. Not uh, let's say not the best effort. Not, not the year. best. No, um, we did like Jordan's pass completions to pull back to the Prize Picks uh, oh, numbers sorry. real yep. quick. Uh, under twenty three and a half. That was the easiest number on the board. Uh, Jordan's fantasy score. If you won't play the over there, uh, it hit. I'm sure just based off what we all witnessed. Yeah, uh, but we'll be back involved in Prize Picks a little bit more this weekend. Uh, look, every week there's something to do on Prize Picks, and particularly now that like the NBA is back and stuff, they have more weekly promos. But I will just tell you guys, I'm a, I'm I'm a fan of the 15 multiple uh, that is seemingly made available in every other weekend loosely. So uh, when I see that, it's when I clear out the uh, the remaining balance of what's in there. And it looks like we'll have one of those this weekend and would encourage you to uh, come have a little fun with us playing prize picks. Nolcast is the coupon code. Uh, we put the uh, link directly to prize picks uh, and the ability to use that code in each show note that we do, uh, episode notes of the Nolcast. And uh, thank you so much for your support there. It's been a great partnership so far this year. And keep uh, keep tweeting us your your winning lineups if, if, if you want to. It's a fun way to play Daily Fantasy. Um, by the way, the official uh, Nolcast card that I tweeted out from the account, uh, Travis over fantasy points. I think that was uh, that was good. Uh, Johnny Wilson did not get there, probably because of the whole uh, problem with blowing out Miami so much. Only threw twelve passes, right? Uh, Jordan did not uh, reach forty rushing yards, or did not go over on the rushing yards. I think it was like twenty-eight or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that was his prop. I don't think Prize Picks ever posted one on that, which is why we couldn't put that on the card. Anyway, it would have lost because they didn't like it. Clearly, I think he was in the plan to run him, and then they're like, "Oh, we're actually up a ton, so yeah. don't." Didn't didn't need it. Hurt. He took that one sack that had a uh, a negative twelve yeah. or thirteen on it or whatever. But yeah, uh, Mo Ibrahim uh, got hurt again. So always always great when that happens very early in the game. So did Quentin Johnston. If you had any Quentin Johnston stacks this weekend, he played one play. Mm. One that's tough, that and then let this then they realize he couldn't play, so like okay, but that's officially it's start. So, yeah, if he starts his action, Jameer Gibbs, I think that one hit, and Jaden Daniels, obviously, um, good, good for that kid, man. Yeah, never, never been a fan of his game, but uh, he, he's playing well, yeah, he's having, having his moment certainly right now. All right, y'all. That was uh that was a, a Saturday evening uh, look back on on one fun game for all of us collectively as a Florida State fan base. So uh, we'll be back in a couple of days with the preview for the Syracuse game that we've talked about here some tonight. Uh, but as always, thank you to our sponsors, thank you to our Patreons uh, for the support that they've given us during this podcast, and uh, we'll be back with you later on this week as we look here and uh, preview the final three games of Florida State's regular season. Yes, sir. I will see you soon.